You're listening to the 1208 Podcast from 1208 Greenwood Free Methodist Church in downtown Jackson, Michigan. telling the story of Jesus. And like any author, the details matter. So let's read uh, Luke 15, um, verse 11. You can go to the scripture and then flip back. I read out of the New Living Translation, if you follow. It said, to illustrate the point further, Jesus had been talking about the parable of the lost sheep and the lost coin. He said, the younger, a, a man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, the younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money and wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding, the pigs, looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have enough food, just food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against you, both, uh, both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father-in-law, his not father-in-law, his father saw him coming. <laughs> Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against you, both he- against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But his father said to the servant, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and now has returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants, what's going on? Your brother is back, he he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. 
Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering all your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. His father said to him, Look, dear son, you have always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, and now he is found. Now, if you and I were sitting there hearing this story, hearing it literally from the words of Jesus, and we were Jewish, we would have been sitting back going, what if he, what? we would just be like shaking our heads because there's some things here. Jesus takes it to the next level. And so in the first century Judaism, no one ever asked their father for their estate early. In other words, the son was saying, the youngest son, which would have only got one-third of the estate, the oldest would have got two-thirds, was saying, I just want you dead. I just want you for your money. I just want you for what you can give for me. I don't really care for you. I just wish you were dead. Now, I grew up in the South where, where uh, my mama would, if I sat, you understand the word sass? Uh, she would, she would, uh, She'd take that hand and say, what did you say, boy? That's right. Uh, That's right. Okay, so some That's of you right. understand. Okay, good. I didn't want you to call the children's servant. This preacher was talking about his mama. You know he does it too. But anyways, there you go. I've got six kids. Sometimes I lose. Oh, man. Oh, why Jesus? So, But I, I love them. They're blessings. So. They really are. I love I love all of them. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So uh, the father really had the rock here. He had by his rock to literally punch his youngest son. He not only had that rock, he had the rock to beat the living snot out of him. And he really had the rock to kill him. By the law, yeah, my daughter, she gets excited about me preaching, so my youngest. Um, um, she's my amen corner. But anyways, um, but in Deuteronomy, it says that this father has the right to literally kill his son because his son wants him dead. And in that culture, you didn't, it's very honor shame, you didn't say things like that to your family, to your mama, or to your dad. And so you've got this story. And imagine we're in the story and we're hearing Jesus. And you know, because you would have known the law, you would have been like, yeah, what happened next, Jesus? What, what? Yeah, he really smacked him up good. And then Jesus goes on and says, the father does what the son requested. If you were in the audience, we would have been like, say What? We would, have, we would have been like, no, 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 no. I didn't hear you, right. There's no way that any father in the right mind in this culture would have done that. 
And so he splits up his inheritance. He not only splits up his inheritance, he splits up his inheritance with his whole family. His oldest son gets his inheritance then. And so the young son goes out and lives it up. I mean, he just goes partying. He, he goes chasing after women. He lives it up to the point that he went through all his money and then a famine came on the land. And in that time, the son is trying to survive. He says, I, I will go and just hire myself to be a, a, a help in a farm or, or something. It was a very agricultural type society. I, I just need to make some money to put some food on my table. And he gets a job that was the lowest of the lowest for the Jews. He has to feed the pigs. Now, I've been around hogs. That's a hog, H-O-G. Maybe some of you have. They're not nasty, but they smell. How they eat is nasty. And so you've got this son who one day had it all. And then now is, is literally at the bottom. At the bottom so bad that he's not getting paid well enough that there's these things, the scripture calls them pods. And pods are like, look, imagine like a pea in its, before, when you pull it off the plant. It's got before you snap it and all that. And these pods were uh, ground up and they were cocoa chocolate supplements. And it is told in Jewish history that when the Jews got to the point where they, all they had to eat was pods, they repented of their sins. And so this, this young man's not even getting fair wage that he is so hungry that when he says, oh, those pods look good, do you know what happens? The story, what does the story say? He doesn't even get any of that either. And so he goes, okay. Now, we, we, we look at it as, okay, I'm done. I'm going to go back to my dad. I'm just going to say, I'm not worthy to be your son. Just hire me as a servant. We, we, we read it as, all oh, this guy's finally repented. And at this time, the Jewish people listen to the story of just, enough. I don't want to hear anymore. Enough. But actually, the young son was actually being very arrogant. He was literally saying, well, I don't have a right to be the son of a king or an aristocrat or, or anything like that. But I know what I'll do. I'll go back and I'll let, get my dad to hire me. And at least I will have three meals and a couple. I'll at least have food and a place to sleep. And so he's arrogantly going up and, 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 and walking back to his father's home, who he wished was dead. And so the Jewish listener would have thought, okay, here's what he gets him. Here's where he gets him. He, he probably just finally just said, get out of here. You're, you're not welcome here. No, the story says that this elderly man this elder in this village 
picks up his tunic and takes off running. He sees his, one, his wayward son and he runs to him and embraces him and kisses him and says, what, what, what happens next? Does anybody remember? After he's embraced. He got a robe. You know whose robe he got? He didn't get his brother's. He got his daddy's robe. He got the best robe in the house. Go get my son his robe and go get him a reed. In other words, welcome, welcome him back to the family. And then he does this crazy thing and says, you know that that, 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 that calf, that livestock we've been fattening, go kill it. We're going to have a party. Now, he was all, yeah, you know, maybe 100 people, 50 people. I mean, the man, this guy was uber rich. His father was. Because what he was saying was contextualized. Kill the cat, cattle and invite all of Jackson to my house. Because my son was lost and now he's found. This cattle would have been saved. It would have, they were fattened up. They were probably, in the, in the customs, they were probably fattening, up, fattening it up for when the older son got married. Whatever it was, it was a huge occasion for you to literally invite the whole city. This, 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 this animal could feed the whole city, this whole village. So they start throwing this party. And the older son hears. He comes back in from working in the fields and he hears music. Now, his older son didn't care about his dad either. He was taking care of his estate now, so he comes back, he comes home, and he hears music, and he goes, what's going on? Where's everybody at? And one of the servants says, your brother came back, and we're celebrating, baby. <clears throat> Just imagine you know that, 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 that livestock we've been fattening up? Your daddy's been fattening up? We killed it. We buried it in the ground and we cooked it. I don't know if they did that, but I'm adding to it. We roasted it. We had a barbecue of all barbecues. And the oldest son didn't just go, oh, I'm mad. He probably went, what? Are you serious? And he's probably just steaming, walking back and forth. I ain't going in there. You've got to be kidding me. And the dad comes out and sees his son, and he begs him to come in. And the son goes, oh, he starts, I mean, he's angry. So you gave that low life, sorry son of a gun, the cattle that we've been fattening, when he just spent all your, he wanted you dead. He spent all his 
money on uh, women, prostitutes, and, and all you do, you, you give him a robe, you give him a ring, you welcome him back, and I have never even been given a goat to celebrate something with my friends. And the father goes, son, everything, you've always been by my side. Yes, I recognize that. Everything I have is yours. Literally. But your brother was lost. And now he's found. So what is that, why does that story mean to us? Why does that story so important to us today. Okay, I didn't know if I knew. <laughs> if I was going to bust out solo or something. <laughs> uh, you would have been running, trust me. <laughs> well, the picture of the image, it teaches us something truly about God's love. And I'm going to be very transparent with you. I often am like the oldest son. Oh, so-and-so got more than I did. I was the youngest of, well, I was the youngest of two stepbrothers. And then I was the baby of my family. So I really got it. So yeah, I can, I mean, I got six kids and I'm somebody, no, that's my drink. Don't drink anymore. So, you know. can't have anything. I don't know what to say. You just, you have them and they want it all. I don't know. I do love them. I really do love my kids. My wife's going to those people are going to think you hate your kids. No, I'm just like Jim Gaffigan. That's like a funny joke. So, uh, I am often like the older son looking at what God's done for someone else. Why didn't God do it for me? Or there's no way in all. No, 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 no. No. No, there's no way God did that for them. There's no way God loves them. There's no way. Did you know what so? I've come from the South where we're busybodies. You know what so and so did. You heard. She's running the streets, you know. He's on the corner. See, I told you. Well, anyway. And oftentimes, I am the pious one, if I'm honest with myself. And you want to know why? It's because I don't. I, I, I don't. I know. Here. But I, have, I don't experience the grace of the loving God who just welcomes me an old drug addict, alcoholic, that hated him. And he could judge me. He could have kicked me out. But he didn't just hug me. It's not like, hey, good, good, good to see you. He fully embraced me and said, finally, you're home. Finally, you came. And the only way I can be who I'm really supposed to be and who God created me to be 
is I've got to begin to build my whole self on God's love. Yes. And who He is and what He's done. And it's one thing to know it here. But am I willing to just come to Him? And instead of putting my religious piety up front and go, look at me, what I've not done, and look at what that sinner done. Instead of doing that, I need to run to his arms and say, God, help me. Help my brokenness. Help me when I feel like I, I doubt. Help me with my depression. Help me when it just seems like there's no way up. I just need to feel your love. Amen. Amen. And I truly believe the reason the world, the unchurched, sees Christianity as judgmental, hypocritical, and doesn't want to have anything apart is because Christians in America haven't truly let the Father embrace them. Their, their identity is built on something else. But their identity needs it. The only way you can find wholeness, the only way you can find healing, the only way you can live on mission for God is to finally just go, oh, use me as you will. Now, that sounds good. But you don't know what I'm going through. I don't. But here's the beauty of God's grace. It's a process. Yes. And it's not about sometimes you leap and you bound and you go over here. But most of the time it's, it's just little nudges. It's just little nudges. And it's just giving up one little thing after a time. It's, and then God starts getting real deep. And, and, the, and it's just giving that up. And it's going, I don't know about that. Because you've had it so long that it's like a good friend. Yeah. Fame, wealth, the American dream, it will not fulfill you like Jesus can. Only when we fully say, God, I, you know, I, I say this. I, I say this all the time. God has his big boy pants on. He's holy. But God's got his big boy pants on. When you, you're struggling, read the Psalms. David would be like, I thought you were going to save me. Where are you at? My enemies encircle me. And here I am, your king. The man after God's own heart. I mean, you read these and these are just wrenched out prayers. And God is saying, come to me honestly and faithfully. I know you. I know what you're feeling. Let me embrace you. And out of that embracement, we just don't sit by, come to church, do our little religious box. We go out into the world and we bring healing and we join God where He's working. 
And we, we bring healing and hope and restoration and good news. It's not called bad news. It's called good news. And you go, hey, you got to get you some of this. Too many times we, we stick our nose up. Or we keep it to ourselves. I'm going I'm, I'm to get where I'm finishing here. Jesus didn't die so that you could have everything your way. Jesus didn't die so life can always be comfortable. Jesus didn't die so you could come and get your ticket out of hell. Jesus died to restore you. And through that restoration, you can't help but pour it out. You ain't got to go, you know, you ain't got to go over here. Don't please, please. And I know Jamie, I know he's taught y'all this. Please don't, please. Unless Jesus comes to you and, and, and tells you, and I never want to do anything, uh, to tell you to do anything against Jesus, but don't go preaching on the street corner saying, turn or burn. Because <laughs> you're going to get flipped off. <laughs> Am I okay there? Yes. Okay. We've had that. Oh. <laughs> I told but what does it look like? When you're honest and vulnerable, and you go, hey, you know, I don't have it all together. I know the one who does. But God has changed me. And I invite you, as I follow Him, I ask you to follow me. This points to Him. The only way through the thick and thorny issues of life is through Jesus. And I'm not sitting here telling you a, a good old boy's story or a prosperity gospel. Like if you give your life to Jesus, everything's going to turn out okay. Because God is still restoring the world. And sometimes I go, why is it taking you so long? And he reminds me. There's someone that doesn't know my love yet. Amen. So church, my challenge to you is I think you're doing awesome things. But where is Jesus calling you where you live, work, and play to be the church in those locations? To be the loving one. And it's okay. If you don't act pious, and you lose your cool. It's okay because they get it. You're real. Be authentic. Don't build another brick in the wall like Pink Floyd talks about. Let God change you. And, and, and you know what? The great thing is through those nudges, it doesn't seem like you're very far. And you just keep nudging. And sometimes you nudge back. That's just part of it. And you nudge. And you nudge. 
any nudge, and God nudges you, God nudges you, God nudges you, and you go, man, I, I, I don't feel like I've been anywhere. I don't feel like I've changed any. And then you turn around and you see where you were and where God has taken you. That's right. It is our responsibility because we have found that grace to go show the love of Jesus to everyone. Everyone. Does it make you uncomfortable? Yeah. Is it always easy? Nope. But I can tell you, God is faithful. I'll tell you the story of how God's faithful. My grandmother, and then the band can come up, and then there's, uh, if you need prayer, there will be a prayer team back in the back. But... God hears your prayers. I feel like I need to tell this story. I don't know if it connects. But my grandmother, my mama, was uh, eight of, or she was seven of nine children. Uh, and they grew up really poor in North Alabama. I'm talking about, she was seven. They didn't have, I'm talking about poor. She didn't have running water in her house until she was 17 years old. Now, she would have only, she's she passed on, but she would have only been 65. So she was an old lady. And she remembers my grandmother, my, my, my grandpa, uh, had what was then known as schizophrenia. Uh, they thought he had. They didn't really know what bipolar disorder was So um, at the time. And so he was literally, for years, in and out of the mental institution. I remember my grandmother, she hated storms. I'm talking about hated storms. And now, in Alabama, we don't have winters like you do here. It just doesn't happen, thank God. But, um, but my mom used to say they would have to sleep in one bed in those homemade quilts that grandparents used to make. You know, they'd have the big... They would have cracks in their house. So if it was cold, the wind came through and they would have to sleep four or five of them and cover up. And I remember my, my mom tells the story of my grandmother one time. Bad storm was coming. It was cold. It was winter, which is really unusual. And she's walking. And uh, she's walking, wringing her hands. My grandpa was in the middle institution, and and I mean they were poor. And my mom said she was wringing her hands, and, and they didn't have any firewood. The only heat was a wood burning stove, and they didn't have any firewood. And my mom, my grandmother, was a little old Dutch lady, and she just couldn't do it. And so she's wringing her hands and. She doesn't know what, what am I going to do, what am I going to do, what am I going to do. I, I don't have any firewood, I can't cook any food, my, my, it's just bad storms coming, and, and I just don't know what to do. I don't, God, I don't have any way to literally keep my children warm. 
And my mom says, at that moment, in the South Carolina, we got those big old oak trees. At that moment, a bolt of lightning came out of the sky, hit that tree, split it completely, just obliterated, didn't split it in half, obliterated it into pieces that perfectly fit into the wood-burning stone. If God cares enough about splitting the tree so my mom and all her brothers and sisters and my grandmother could be warm, God cares about what you go through. And he just says, come to me, for I love you more than you can ever imagine. Amen. Amen.